Homicide Lens Network. If you are a victim of crime, trying to graduate to being a survivor of crime uh, or disability with an emphasis on the aftermath and how it impacts your life, if you appreciate diversity of topic and want to come along for the ride, if you're looking for cutting-edge programs, information, resources, inspiring people uh, that assist you in finding your voice, you have come to the right place. This is Donna R. Gore, a.k.a. Lady Justice, your host, with my co-host, Delilah Jones, president of ImaginePublicity.com, uh, welcoming you uh, to, to today's edition. So thank you for listening, and thank you in advance for sharing this podcast. So uh, good Saturday morning, everyone, and uh, this is uh, Donna welcoming you to um, an informational, well, an interview slash informational podcast. We've gone back to the old format when when we find a gem of a guest. And um, today we are focusing on um, disability issues to add to my series. And I was very, very fortunate to um, find a, a wonderful, inspiring gentleman who is an entrepreneur, uh, who is an inventor, who is a um, mechanical engineer by day, but also, um, you know, uh, an innovative businessman who happens to to have a disability, and his name is Billy Price um, from the Seattle area. So, Delilah, I just want to say good morning to you and thank you for helping me produce this show, and I know that you're very supportive of of disability issues with me, so I'm very excited to to have this topic as a change of pace with crime, and I think you'll probably yeah. agree with that, right? Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, I have a client that I work with that um, is an agency for adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities, so I've over the years that I've worked with them, I've self-educated on a lot of different topics. And, and about a year or so ago, I ran into a very interesting thing and, and wrote an article for them about it. And it was adaptive clothing. And I ran across Tommy Hilfiger and his website and what they were doing. And then also connected with um, an organization called Runway of Dreams. And what they do is they actually sponsor and put on fashion shows using models with all different types of, of disabilities and all, all ages from children on up to adults. So it's, it's been really exciting to, for you to connect with Billy Price um, on adaptive shoes. So, you know, maybe, maybe as time goes by, he should get a hold of Tommy Hilfiger. Wow. That would, that would be cool. And I, I'm hoping Delilah that over the many years that you've, you've known me, I mean, you've been wonderful and, and very um, open and didn't even know I had a disability in the beginning when we first met and your your gem of a comment, why should I care, just kind of put me in the right state of mind to say, oh my God, this woman, I don't I don't have to prove anything. I can be myself and she'll she'll help me um, blossom my talent. So thank you, thank you for that. You know, I I just think it's wonderful that we're all able to collaborate here. So um, without further ado, uh, we're going to discuss a lot of topics. Billy is coming to us in the early morning hours um, in Seattle, so I hope you have your uh, your Starbucks co- coffee or whatever. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. To Shattered yeah, thank Radio. you so much. Thank <laughs> you so much. Yes, I do have my uh, I have my cup of coffee right next to me, and uh, I am all ready to go. Well, that's wonderful, and you know, I did put up a a post because you know I've had um, some some uh, dealings lately with uh, an employment situation, and I wanted to let people know that people with disabilities, as a group, are are have the best work record. Always show up, no matter what the weather, what the inconvenience. I happen to work for an agency that deals with legally blind and visually impaired individuals with other disabilities as well. And I, I just can't say enough. So for all of those employers out there, whether it's your FAA or you as a business person, 
you know, recommend, give people um, with whatever disabilities a chance. Don't, don't rely on stereotypes. Don't, you, you underestimate people with disabilities because we are, we are a force to be reckoned with, aren't we, Billy? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, for sure. Yeah, and I just knew you would, you know, you you would be right there. So that's wonderful. Okay, so let's um, start a little bit. I want to, uh, you, um, before we get into, you know, the backstory is always maybe as intriguing as the, um, you know, okay, how did you start your business, uh, how things evolved, the human element. But I wanted to talk a little bit about us because we, we came together as a result of, an occupational therapist sharing information um, as I struggle to keep my dream team together um, with dustic cerebral palsy and trying to improve my quality of life and keep going, um, you know, as I as I continue to age as we all do. And um, mine has been a permanent disability since birth, but yours was acquired. You know, you had what up until your college age, you know, to be kind of your freewheeling person and pursuing your things, and then kind of the bottom fell out with what happened with you. Can we talk a little bit about um, what what it's, it's like to have an acquired disability versus myself and having a lifelong permanent disability? Sure, sure. Well, yeah, so I mean, I, I'm from the Seattle area. Um, I grew up in this, born and raised, and you know, growing up, I was very, um, I was very active in the outdoors. Um, I played a lot of sports. Um, I was very inquisitive. Um, you know, loved to understand how things were put together. My, my dad had a workshop, uh, kind of a, a, a woodworking shop, and um, I would just love to be in there and just play with like the power tools and to be able to, you know, construct things and take things apart and just get a better understanding of how like things came together. Um, mm-hmm. But as I say, you know, I, I was I was very active, and it wasn't until I was a freshman in college, um, attending the University of Washington, that uh, I did have an accident. And what happened was I fell out of a three-story window, um, head first, and when mm-hmm. I hit the ground, it was uh, um, I broke my instantaneously broke my neck and broke my lower back, and uh, it was a spinal cord injury in both in both spots. But it goes by the highest level of injury, so. In that quick uh, moment in time, um, I became uh, a quadriplegic. So since that time, that was October 9th, 1996. So since that time, uh, yeah, I've been in a wheelchair. So to your point, yeah, I started off um, not in a wheelchair. And then, um, you know, I've been in a wheelchair since. And I'm 41 years old now, which means I've, I've spent more time in my life in a wheelchair than not. But I still very much have those memories of uh, of growing up, still being very active in the outdoors. Mm-hmm. And and so psychologically, how I know we're we're both ones to persevere and to figure out a way. And it sounds like you were destined to be an engineer with all those things you were doing as a child. But what what was it? What was that sort of philosophy or uh, magic ingredient that got you? from that initial point of catastrophic injury to, you know, really saying to yourself, you know, I can make a good quality of life. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's a fantastic question. And that's a very big question. Yeah. Um, It's not easy. (laughs) It's very much not easy. So, you know, when I, when I first got injured, you know, all I could, all I could compare my current situation to was the life that I knew prior. And uh, it was a very independent life. And, you know, since being injured, it's, you know, I I have been able to get to the point where I am independent, but at the same time, I still need a lot of help. But, you know, it's taken a long, long time to get there. And uh, initially when that injury happened, it's that that fear of the unknown of what what my life was going to look like, what I would be able to do, um, you know, where I would live, where I would work, if I was going to finish school, relationship-wise, I mean, all that stuff was just a big unknown. And uh, it, it was a very, very heavy, heavy load to try to digest immediately. Um, and, I, and unfortunately, I, I went to a dark place. I went to a very dark place in a, in a hurry. 
and mm-hmm. um, where I'd contemplate and I'd say things to myself, you know, it's like it's not worth living if you can't walk. Because, I mean, I didn't have the tools to be able to digest what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but it scared me. It scared me tremendously. And it scared me to the point where I realized, um, you know, thank goodness early on, I realized that I really had a choice between going down a path of just absolute depression and a, a path of darkness and just something that I, I don't even know what it would have been like. Or um, instead of focusing on what I lost, focusing more on what I still had and then trying to make a go for it. So that was the route that I took. I, I decided to, you know, yes, what's done is done. Um, that's happened. But now let's kind of evaluate what I still have. I still have my mind. Um, I still can move around. It's just going to be different and uh, try to, you know, basically take all those pieces, put them back together, and then kind of move forward. So that was the path that I took. So you came to that realization on your own, or was it through, um, you know, therapeutic intervention or combination? Uh, It was a little bit of both. I mean, you know, you can have a lot of folks around you, and, you know, it's it's incredible. Okay, let me back up. There's absolutely no way I would be where I am today if it weren't for the association around me. And that association was uh, just inc- just critically important early on where folks actually around me saw potential in myself before I did. But at the end of the day, it, it had to be a choice. It had to be my choice. It had to be my choice to either listen to the people that were around me that were encouraging me or make a choice to ignore them and go and stay in a dark place. So it was a combination of both. It was, it was a network around me that, you know, built me up and uh, pointed me in the right direction. And then it was my choice to listen that first step forward. Yeah. And uh, so it sounds like at some point you had that light bulb moment and you decided to take that, take that healthy path. And I think that with all of us who um, are, are, you know, faced with that, Whatever the challenge is, it, it it does come down to our own personal self determination. Don't don't you agree? Don't you agree? Oh, I totally agree. I totally agree. I mean, you know, there, there's so many things in this world that we want to have control over, but we just we just don't. <laughs> but we have control over our attitude. You know, attitude is a choice, and how we respond to any sort of, sort of situation is a choice. So if we try to take that positive step forward. Not to say it's going to be easy, because oftentimes, oftentimes those paths are the harder paths, but, uh, you know, it is a positive one, you know, and you, you kind of change your trajectory towards that positive to try to add value, um, to try to increase your capacity, um, build up your potential, um, you know, just, just live more of a positive, surround yourself with a positive environment, and it really is incredible um, what you can do. Yeah, absolutely, and I I know that from re- reading information on your website, which we we want you to be able to give that information out several times. Why don't you tell people just now, and we'll do it some more. Where, where can people get more information regarding your story and your products that we'll talk about in a bit? What's what's your uh, website and the other information? Sure. Yeah. Thank you. So, um, yeah, our website um, is BillyFootwear.com. And uh, we'll talk about this a little bit, but uh, it's a shoe company. And within that website, uh, there's a couple of real key tabs. One is the About tab, kind of gives a bit of the story of our brand, but also touches on my personal story. But also there's a tab on there called Billy Cares. And uh, Billy Cares is more of a motivational, uh, more, more of a motivational and educational branch of our brand. And that really goes in depth. Um, of my story, um, how I got in a wheelchair, uh, what we've done since, and uh, also some of the, the speaking engagements that I've had the honor of being a part of um, through the years. So you're you're on the lecture circuit when time permits, huh? I am. I am. Yeah, I I, I really enjoy that. You know, I, I I love being able to kind of share my story, not not in the spirit of trying to put myself on a platform, but try to be able to, you know, share um, something that. Uh, you know, it's kind of raw and kind of emotional, but at the same time, um, hopefully others can seek value from that and, uh, you know, kind of try to relate and, um, you know, make that choice to kind of pull themselves out of, you know, any spot they, that they currently are. Right, and to inspire people. And I'm wondering if you have the same feeling that when you 
achieve when when you overcome these kinds of challenges that that we have over the years and like I say you know it's homicide and over 50 surgeries and all of that kind of stuff you unintentionally if you um are in the public eye I guess you uh be, you become some kind of a, a role model for people and that's kind of thrust upon you and I guess there's a good side and sometimes um sometimes not always a good side because I feel like I'm compelled to, you know, make comment or to kind of pump other people up that are in my same uh, situation, uh, if if you will. And I wonder um, if with starting your business and or, you know, being in the public eye, if, if you felt, how do you feel about that? And being a you know, an innovator, entrepreneur, but also now a role model for people with disabilities. How does that impact you? Well, I mean, that, that's a that's a great that's a great question. Um, it's a lot. <laughs> it's definitely a lot. So I, you know, I, I don't make myself out to, you know, be an inspiration or be a role model. What, what I tr- what I try to do is I try to live my life the best I can. And um, mm-hmm. if 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 people are able to um, you know, find inspiration in that or be able to, you know, find some similarities in, you know, the path that I'm on compared to their path. Uh, and if it's, if it, if it comes across as motivation, I mean, that, that's truly amazing. But the last thing I want to do is try to push myself onto somebody else, but I would mm-hmm. like to be able to, um, you know, I guess lead by example, I guess, uh, you know, and, sure. and that can be, you, you don't have to be in a wheelchair to do that. You know, anybody can, you know, live by example and, uh, you know, try to try to be more of a, a light than um, you know than something dark. You know. Yeah, I I, I totally agree. I I'm convinced that we as persons with with disabilities, and uh, you know, maybe I won't be totally uh, politically correct here. We're supposed to say persons with disabilities rather than disabled persons, but I don't I don't get hooked into the labels. But I know that some people do. So forgive me. But I think that we're we're we were placed here to uh, if we have these challenges and we're successful in solving our own problems that we're here to help solve problems to help other people and so i'm wondering with even with all of the technological advances that we have now in 2019 um what do you think is still one of the biggest challenges that plague um our, our community as a, if, if you want to call a disabled community, what, what do you think are, are the barriers that um, stand in, in people's way or society's thinking? Right. Yeah. I mean, th- that can really be uh, kind of a case by case basis. I, I know that as a brand, um, what we've tried to do is we've tried to incorporate the term universal design and right. that it's, it's a, it's a term that, you know, me being on the engineering side, it, it was a term that I had heard many, many times when it comes to, you know, the construction of buildings and it may it be homes, may it be, you know, restaurants, uh, office spaces, whatever it may be. And, I have a universal you know, for, design bathroom in my South Carolina condo, <laughs> so I'm oh, very familiar with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So essentially, um, you know, in that architecture sense of the word, basically what it is is, you know, you create a space that works for everybody. You know, if, if you went into some sort of coffee shop where there aren't any stairs in the front and it's a nice open layout, you know, it would work for someone like myself to be able to, like, mobility-wise get around. But also if somebody, you know, just came in walking, you know, they wouldn't necessarily see this space as being something that would consider being adaptive. It just works for everybody. So what we are trying to do as a brand, um, take that same concept, and uh, incorporate it into our shoe design, where it would be something that does have the functionality aspects that uh, um, someone that needs it could benefit, but also have the mainstream side of it that uh, anybody could enjoy it. So when you're talking about having like the technological um, whatnot for someone that may need something on more on the adaptive side, um, what we tried to do was instead of like focusing on what may need to be in place for adaptive, what we tried to do is just let's well, tell you what, why don't we just try to remove the line between adaptive and non-adaptive and make a level playing field for everybody? 
So, um, so how do you how do you do that? How do you make it a level? I mean, it so it's seamless. It kind of blends. It kind of blends into. Uh, you know, to uh, wide appeal. My my um, problem with this is that for me, when I go to specialty shoe shops uh, in Connecticut or anywhere, um, they're so geriatric and ugly mm-hmm. looking or, you know, these ugly shoes for people with diabetes and I, I have to wear Oxfords and tie shoes and whatnot to keep, you know, I can't slip them on and off. So, I mean, this was an engineering problem that you successfully uh, conquered by, is this, was this by innovating, doing the curved zipper concept on shoes? Can you kind of explain that? Sure, sure. So the way our shoes, um, just for those that aren't familiar with our brand or the configuration of our shoes, um, what we did was, we incorporated um, zippers into our shoes. Now, having a zipper in a shoe is certainly not original. I mean, there's been many, many shoes on the market for many, many years that use zippers. However, the way our zipper goes into the shoe and the way it's configured, it is a little bit different. And essentially what it is is uh, the zipper goes along the outside of the shoe and around the toe. So when you unzip it, the whole upper of the shoe folds over, which makes a essentially an open receptacle where you can unobstructedly drop your foot straight in and then you can zip it up. And the inspiration behind that came from, since I'm in the chair, um, my level of injury, I have two challenges. One is um, I don't have dexterity in my fingers, so I couldn't, well, I mean, it's just very challenging to deal with uh, laces. And, uh, you know, the often, oftentimes what the solution is, or someone like, may think that the solution could be, would be using some sort of hook and loop, like a Velcro or something. Well, that can overcome the, the laces, but that was only half my challenge. The other challenge was, like, literally stuffing my foot into a shoe. And so the idea of being able to have something that opened up completely where you could drop your foot in unobstructed and then to be able to not have the hand dexterity but be able to hook onto some sort of a loop where you could zip it up, um, you know, the thought was that could work. And essentially, uh, it was something that I just kind of cooked up in my head, but never really moved on it because I never really saw anything on the market. And um, but as as life, uh, you know, the craziness of life can happen. Um, I ran into a longtime friend of mine that I grew up with, and uh, we were at a Christmas party at his house one time. It was in 2011, actually. And as we were catching up, um, where the conversation went he just happened to mention that he was working on a shoe project. And uh, when he said that, I thought to myself, well, I got a shoe idea. And I basically just told him, like, you know, if we put a zipper in a shoe, it goes around the outside and around the toe and it opens up, I might be able to put my shoes on again independently. And uh, because that's something I haven't been able to do since being in a chair. And uh, since he already had kind of the points of contact in place, we put together a rendering drawing. We put together a prototype and had it produced. And when I tried that on for the first time, which was in May of 2015, that was the first time I didn't apparently put my shoes on um, in 18 years. So, like, literally wow. half a lifetime later, I was able to put my shoes on again. And that, that, single, that single moment of success was kind of the platform that we decided to build our brand on. And uh, we wanted to share it with other people and, uh, you know, really make a go of it. But the thing so was, no one, your, no one had devised oh yeah, something like that before, and you had to have it patented. So we are patent pending. Yeah, I mean, whether or not somebody came up with it um, or not, I can't really say. But there was nothing on the market. So whether okay. or not somebody cooked up that idea, they just never, they never took it to market. Because as I say, you know, I since being in the chair, I never saw anything on the market or anything available that. Uh, that that was like that. And, you know, to your point, talking about you going to get those specialty shoes that just look, you know, terrible. <laughs> what, yeah. When, when I first got injured, that, that's all I was seeing. Like if I, what I was seeing was if I needed something that um, would functionally work for me, it was going to look different. It was going to look very strange and it was going to put me in this, you know, category, if you will, that um, I didn't want to be put in. And because I remember being in, I remember being on the playground growing up. I remember if you were wearing something different, the kids around you would let you know that you were wearing something different. 
and I didn't want to be different. I wanted to be like just like everybody else. So that was the idea to be able to create something that wasn't necessarily adaptive, but make something that was mainstream that could sit on the shelves of major retailers and could share shelf space with, you know, the Nikes and Converse and Vans of the world and have that fashion appeal yet still be functional that someone like myself could put on. That's what and we thought to do, and uh, that's what appeal, we did. Right? They're not going to be. Yeah. They're not ugly. They come in other colors and other stuff. You to have a choice is so, is so hard. Like for me, I might have two or three pairs of shoes. Other people might have fifteen pairs in their closet. We're very limited, you know, in terms of right. what works for us. So, so that's really good. And just so that people know, can you tell me from the foot perspective whether they go to an orthopedist or a podiatrist or whatnot? When you say drop your foot into a shoe, do you have to have ankle flexion? Do you have to have the ability to move your toes to be able to angle your foot, to be, whether it's for the children's shoes or, or your upcoming right. adult shoes? What do you have to be able to do physically to use the shoes before they get zipped up? Well, see, yeah, and, and that's the glory of it. You don't need to be able to point your toes. You don't need to be able to, you know, I mean, like myself, I mean, I have a paralyzed foot, so it's just kind of a limp, like, <laughs> noodle on the end of my ankle. And, uh, you know, it just allows me to be able to drop it in. I mean, because there's nothing in the way. You just open it up, and there there it is. You see the, the insole of the shoe, and then you mm-hmm. just place your foot in there, and then you can zip it up. So, you know, unbeknownst to me, um, or our whole, te- whole, our whole team, what happened was when we launched, we started getting just a tremendous amount of support from – um, you know, folks that use braces on their feet because the same challenge I was having about, about having to stuff my foot into a shoe is the same challenge someone that wears a, a foot brace has. Mm-hmm. And being able to have that unobstructed entry, just be able to open it up and be able to put your brace in, um, you know, it's, it's just worked great. Now, the thing was, I mean, oftentimes because of the functionality, uh, oftentimes, it's thought that our shoes were specifically made for, for foot braces. And, you know, as I say, we were trying to dissolve that line between adaptive and non-adaptive, make something mainstream. That wasn't the original inspiration. However, there's no denying that, uh, you know, folks that use braces, I mean, there's, um, they're having a tremendous amount of success. So with that, we're continuing trying to make our shoes more AFO friendly. Um, like, for example, one of the tweaks that we made was, we started making the, the insoles removable. The first shoes we had that came out, all the insoles were glued down. So now they're removable to make more volume in there for the toe box. And, uh, you know, as we continue to come out with more products, um, we'll, start, we'll be able to start having lines that have, um, you know, materials and whatnot that are way more robust. Um, and uh, just to be able to continue to, you know, accommodate um, those folks that, uh, you know, need more of a robust shoe. Yeah. Well, for those that haven't um, had the opportunity to to look at your present line, are they, some of them are canvas, some of them are are leather. What what kind of materials do you use for that? So what's the easiest to work with? Yep, yep. So uh, we have a couple of, we have a couple of materials right now. Well, let let me back up and give just a little bit more history on the brand. So when we first, when we first launched, um, we started with the Kickstarter campaign and what that is, is more of a crowdsourcing, um, um, you know, vehicle. And uh, when we first launched, we launched with two kids shoes, um, two women's shoes and three men's shoes. And uh, all three of those demographics responded very, very well. But when it came time to expand, um, we just didn't have the money (laughs) and the money was basically coming from my own pocketbook. Uh, We just didn't have the money to expand in all three directions at once. So what we decided to do was just start with the kids. So when you go to our site right now, what you're going to see is um, very kid-centric of shoes. So if you go to billyfootwear.com and scroll down, you'll see a lot of the the kids' shoes that we offer on our own website, but also, um, you know, other shoes that we offer on our retail partners. And, uh, but that was the starting point. I mean, when we expanded, that was the starting point. So now um, coming up later in the year, we'll be able to do smaller sizes, so toddler sizes, which go down to a toddler size five, and then we'll be able to expand back into the adult category, which will be both men's and women's. And uh, for women's, it'll go up to a size 11, women's size 11, and for men's, it'll go up to a size 14. 
So the materials that we're currently using right now is more of a canvas, um, but we have used leather in the past. And uh, some of the kids' shoes will also have leather that will be coming out later this year. But then also um, for the adults, it will be leather too. So with canvas, leather, it's kind of a mixed bag. Um, we're trying to cover all of our bases. But as we continue to expand through the years, well, there will be a lot more variety. Mm-hmm. And in terms of, like, the soles and dirt, I mean, for people who are wheelchair-bound, you're not going to have a lot of wear, so they're going to last. But for those of us that do ambulate and wear down the soles, I mean, is that, you know, I have to have a smooth sole, no bumps, because I tend to, uh, you know, don't pick up my right toe, right foot, right toes. So, I mean, are those, like, different materials, too, or are they? are you experimenting with that aspect? Oh, so we are. I mean, there's a couple of materials. Right now, um, the, the material of our outsole is just a rubber, the synthetic rubber. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so that that's worked really well. I, I would guess I would kind of compare it to the outsole of, like, Vans or Converse, which is, uh, you know, two soles that everyone is, you know, can certainly, you know, get a good picture in their head of what it's like. Um, beyond that, you know, I mean, that's just more for, uh, more of like a street shoe, but as we start going into maybe more dress shoes, um, the, the outsole will be a little bit different. And then also we're looking at doing uh, more of a jogger type style, like kind of uh, if you think of an old school New Balance, um, uh-huh. the outsole for that type of shoe is a little bit different. So it's kind of a rubber cap, but it's also uh, more of a foam in between where the actual outsole um, surface that touches the ground is and the actual midsole of the shoe. So, I mean, just, just exciting kind of developments that we're looking to do, um, you know, as our timeline progresses. Wow. Well, talk a little bit about um, your, with your background as a mechanical engineer, are you, are you um, directly um, involved a lot in, in the design and then in the production? And then maybe let's talk about what what are your what are you doing in terms of uh, funding sources and going forward? Because it sounds like this is going to going to explode <laughs> in a good way. Yeah, money. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, funding has definitely been um, one of those exciting hurdles you have to overcome. And uh, to your point, also, you know, it's uh, the growth has been incredible. Um, you know, for the last couple of years, and it's only getting better. So. Uh, let's start with um, Billy Footwear is made up of a lot more than just myself. You know, we have a team of seven people right now, and that, that's actually the Billy Footwear team um, as a business. But there's a lot of other, you know, supporting roles that we have outside of our business that uh, that help us out. For example, in the Seattle area, we work with a, a sourcing partner um, by the name of Topline, and uh, they're just out of Seattle. And what Topline does is they have um, contract relationships with a bunch of manufacturers around the world. So our business, we go to Topline to, um, you know, work out the design. They have a design team as well. So we can kind of pitch an idea and then we can um, work with Topline to, you know, kind of solidify what the material type is going to be. Perhaps uh, on a high top, how high the high top is going to be, how low it's going to be. Um, talking about, you know, transitioning from more of a slip-on type to incorporating laces. That was something that we worked with Topline on. So um, to, to your point about, you know, the design and stuff, you know, yes, it's like more on the Billy Footwear side that we may come up with an initial design, but we, we fine-tune that design and we refine it and, uh, you know, work with Topline to be able to make the production samples before we actually pull the trigger and make thousands and thousands of them. <laughs> wow. So how long would it, would it take – from, you know, concept of a new shoe to actually produce it. So if you're starting to work on or you've, you've been in concept for the adult shoes, how, how long of a process is that, Billy? Well, the actual manufacturing of the shoes takes about three months, three to four months, depending on what time of year you place the, place the order. Um, the design of that, you know, can definitely take another two to three months depending on how complex the design is and how many how many times you we go back and forth on it. So mm-hmm. I mean that's one of the that's one of the wild things. I mean it can really take a long time to, you know, truly produce a shoe. So for example, the the adult shoes that we have coming um that'll be available for purchase in August of two thousand um two thousand nineteen, 
you know, we've been working on these, these adult designs since last summer. So, you know, the summer of 2018. So it's been a, it's been a full year process. So uh-huh. I mean, it does take time and it's pretty incredible how, how quickly that time goes. So for example, you know, for 2020, we're already kind of thinking of ideas of what we could do for 2020. And uh, one of those big concepts is, um, again, in the adult category, but uh, um, having widths, having more of a comfort line, having a more sole with like more robust outsole and um, a little bit wider. So, um, you know, I'm just kind of trying to refine and tweak those designs because that's something that, um, you know, a lot of customers are reached out requesting to be able to have that in our line. So you may, definitely may break in and go may ahead. ask. Go yeah, ahead. I would just like to ask a couple questions. Um, sure. As far as availability, Billy, are are the shoes going to be available in mainstream shoe stores, or will they need to be special ordered? And I think you know, listeners may want to know kind of a price range. Are they going to be affordable for most people? And the last part of it is, is there any insurance coverage that can help people who maybe cannot afford them? Right. Yes, those are all great questions. Um, In in terms of availability, uh, the shoes will be available just to regular purchase through our website, so billyfootwear.com. And then also uh, they'll be available through the retail partners as well. But it it really ends ends up being – (laughs) so – when it comes to retail partners, we would love to be in all the stores. But at the end of the day, it's really the, the retail partner, um, their buyer, whether or not they'd like to carry our shoes. So one of our uh, one of our huge supporters has been Zappos, Zappos.com. They've been incredible to work with. They've been huge brand advocates. So uh, pretty much all the shoes that we carry are also available on Zappos.com. And uh, so for the adult shoes, I do know that Zappos will be carrying those directly out of the gate. Um What's going to happen with the other retail partners, for example, um, Foot Locker, um, Nordstrom, you know, independent stores, um, we're working with those buyers to try to get them on board, but, you know, that nothing's been solidified quite yet. So these are all mainstream retail stores, so it's not a deal where you have to special order or anything. You just go and buy your shoes just like, just like anybody else. And, and the reason we're able to do that is because the shoes, they're not um, – they're not medical shoes. It's it's a it's a mainstream shoe. Um, you know. You don't have to get a prescription and yeah, all of exactly. that from the yeah. from the ortho- yeah. or, orthopedic surgeon or or a podiatrist, right? Yeah. Right, right. So 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 there's pluses and minuses to that. The, the plus, of course, is it's available to everybody. You can go and buy the shoes just like anybody else, um, because that's truly what they are. But the, the downside of that is when folks want to or they're, they're hoping to be able to have it covered by insurance. So since we're not a medical brand and since they're not actually classified as a, a medical shoe, um, insurance is not able to cover them. Will you, well, will, will you have some kind of mechanism that you see that maybe for uh, down the line, if you don't, um, for people that are especially in need, um, you know, a discount or, or something in, in, that, in that realm? Um, you, you know, I, I, I hope so. I'm putting you on the spot, I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I know it's, it's good. I mean, I, I definitely hope so because, I mean, they're, I mean, you're bringing up a, just a fantastic point, but uh, we, we just don't have that vehicle in place yet. Yeah, and I don't, I, I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around what that would look like, like how logistically we can, we get that figured out. And I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm just, I, I just don't know how to do it. Well, do you have like well you're saying you have these retail partners like Nordstrom and Foot Locker and all that, but how about some huge benefactor, some rich guy that, you know, a Bill Gates kind of say that says, Hey, this is great and I'll I'll help find are you looking for somebody as a financial partner to help you, you know, expand in that way? Sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean so, for example, like when you make these shoes, I mean, holy cow! I mean, when you, um, for every shoe that's made, uh, for every design, it, it comes with uh, minimums of how many you're gonna, of how many you can make. So uh, the minimums typically are 1,200 pairs. So, for example, if you wanted to have a kid's red high top, well, you can't just make one kid's red high top. You have to make 1,200 of them. 
So wow. you can't just yeah. launch with one shoe. You need to have, you know, an assortment of 10. So just like that, you know, if you're going to come out with 10 pairs of shoes, that's 10 times 1,200, and uh, the number gets big in a hurry. And uh, yeah. so, for example, when it comes to adult sizes, the same thing applies. So um, it's, it's the, the numbers get uh, – it, it's pretty incredible how quickly, um, you know, that price tag increases. So, yeah, mm-hmm. we're, we're definitely looking for financial partners to be able to continue to expand because as the demand increases, you need to be on the front end of that bow wave to be able to right. have the supply ready for uh, for the demand. So it's, well, it's uh, you can easily get up to the million. Right? Yep, it absolutely is. It definitely is. It definitely is. Well, just I, maybe you don't want to want to say specifically, but can you give us a range of costs so that people know? Or are they going to be, you know, twenty dollars, fifty dollars, a hundred dollars, oh, depending right. on if it's children's yeah, yeah. or. Yep, yep, no problem. So right now, uh, um, our kids' shoes are uh, being sold retail for the low tops, the lace low tops. They're being sold for $50. Um, the kids' yep. high tops are being sold for $55. Um, for the adult shoes, uh, we don't have the price point quite yet, but it'll be like $75 to $80, which uh, is, you know, again, it's very comparable to the stuff you would you would buy normally, you know, on your sort of well, retail store. I know that any kind of a, a tie shoe that I can do, like at the specialty shoes, shoe uh, stores that they have here or whatnot, are minimum of $100, $110 per pair. So I'm thinking for somebody like me, that's pretty much of a deal, Billy. You know, and yeah. I oh, would say to, the, yeah, yeah, to those people that really cannot afford that, I mean, you got to find a way if you really need it to have – your family members or somebody chip in. This is this is a quality of life issue. This is something that's going to help help you walk better. Help you know um, it's it's going to help you do a lot of things. So there's got to be a way for people in need um, to be able to at least get a starter pair of these. And uh, I know, but but here's another question: If you're a toddler, you grow. So what's so? <laughs> How long does the toddler shoe, and is there some mechanism to say, okay, um, he's grown out of that. What do I do now? So is it $50 here and then six months later another $50? Or is there some kind of a coupon mechanism? Or Because kids' kids feet grow quickly, don't they? They certainly do. Yeah, they certainly <laughs> do. Um, yeah, you know, we, we've had that request. Um and, and you bring up a great point when it comes to toddler, you know, that those shoes will, they'll outgrow them in a hurry. Um, I, yeah, because there was a customer that reached out recently asking about some sort of buyback program um, mm-hmm. or something they, they could, like, for example, donate it somehow, and then they could be, you know, almost like paid forward to somebody Recycled? else. Recycled? Uh, yeah, I mean, th- yeah, th- that's probably a good way to put it. Um, and, uh I, I love the idea. I, I, again, I just, I just don't know. I don't have a picture in my head quite on how to logistically pull that off. I, I love the idea. Um, yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Well, I think you should consult with me. You should hire me. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm just yeah. giving you a hard time. What about, what about <laughs> no, partnering somehow like that with, with agencies who serve people with disabilities that, you know, a lot of times – if, if especially if they're residents, a lot of the incidentals are not covered by Medicare. Like if they break their glasses, you're only allowed one replacement a year, and and so on and so forth. Um, but I, you know, there's also a lot of of agencies who deal specifically with children, and mm-hmm. I would I would venture to say there there might be some way to, you know. <sighs> Not necessarily donate the shoes to these a agencies, with but them? some, yeah, some. I'm sure somebody out there has a great idea. <laughs> I can just connect right. the dots at this point, but I know you know this is where the need is, and this is what you have. So how can we connect, you know, what you have to where it's needed? Yeah, and and you know to expand on that, um, when, when 
when, talk, when talking about coming up with ideas, that, that's what's been really exciting about, you know, this whole journey that we've been on. Because, I mean, I, I, I deal with a lot of the customer service. And uh, so a lot of these emails that come in, I, I'm the one that's responding to them. And it's been incredible, not only the support, but just the awesome ideas that come in. And also these, uh, you know, businesses as well as nonprofit organizations that already have kind of vehicles in place. And, um, like, I, I really like what you're saying in terms of like, the word partnership because there's other people out there that have the answers. I mean, it's not like we have to come up with the answer. People already have the answer in place. It's just a matter of trying to, you know, leverage that uh, that partnership to be able to meet the need. So and find that has the monetary there, benefactor, too, to, to get your engine going to where, you know, to where you want to be. Um, sure. Uh, yeah, it, to me, I think it has huge potential if we, you can just get all those kind of ducks in a row to, to continue. And um, what what is it like? Tell me, like, a, I know with your with your job as an engineer now for the FAA. And so, do you do you work on 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 uh, Billy Footwear at night and in the weekends, or do you go to a a big warehouse in Seattle and 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 um, work, you know, on your off hours on this? How does that go? <laughs> Uh, so that I, I I'm so happy you asked that question. Um, so it's been a grind for sure. Uh, so the FAA job, um, I've worked for the FAA for 16 years. Um, I was able to get that job, and this could be a completely different topic we talk about. But um, I got that job out of going to um, a job fair. You know, they there was they were having um, they, the the FAA was hiring, and I went there, which is the the mindset that I was going to get that job. So I put on a suit and tie and had my resume and went down there with my, um, you know, various points of contact and, you know, made a good impression and then ended up having that job. And uh, I've been there for 16 years. And okay. while Billy, while Billy footwear has been um, ramping up, it's been the FAA during the day from eight to five. And then the shoe business from basically five till midnight. And uh, that's been going on for about the last three years now as uh, we just continue to grow and grow the business. But the part that's really exciting to me is our, our shoe business has finally grown to the point where uh, it can put food on the table. So because of that, um, I was able to step away from the FAA just recently. I mean, this happened just after, um, just after Thanksgiving and uh, oh, really? it's been able to allow me to work on the shoes. I would say full time, but I was already working on the shoes full time. <laughs> now it's more 100%. So uh, it's been it's been really great to be able to kind of see that dream build up and then to be able to step into it, but also to be able to better serve the customer because my mind is completely focused on the shoes. Oh, that's wonderful to realize your dream and to make and to be able, like you say, to make it self-sustaining, put food on the table and and. Kudos to your wife then too, right? Because <laughs> they, I mean, there's all kinds of uh, things that that you have to do when you have two careers at once, and it's good that you, uh, you know, you were able to able to get to this point. So, is there this one big central warehouse somewhere in Seattle that you report to every day? Um, so we have a couple of locations. Uh, we do have a huge warehouse. Um, but it's a third-party warehouse, which is south of Seattle by about an hour. Um, and uh, But we also have um, our own little field office, which is about 30 minutes south of, south of Seattle. And uh, one of our other um, business partners with the company, he, he works out of that office. His name is Darren Donaldson. Um, he's my longtime friend that uh, I got reacquainted with and uh, also our company co-founder. So it was Darren and me that kind of put our heads together to – you know, put this whole brainstorm and, you know, journey kickoff thing together. And uh, it's been amazing. So um, where I work out of, I've been working out of um, actually my home for for about the last, uh, since leaving the FAA. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but we're now looking to move into an office space um, by the, the Seattle airport. So it's, it's in a town called Burien. Uh, we're looking to um, lease a space there, so that would be the office that we'd be we would be reporting to. Wow, that's wow, that's yeah, that lots of fun great. things. Oh, lots of my fun goodness, so exciting! Works. I'm so happy for you. Um, 
you know, we have about, looks like nine minutes or so left for the show. And I wanted to ask, I want to circle back a little bit. Um, again, getting back sort of to my experience and having to do lots of trial and error to get my, you know, dream team and different people together because especially when it comes in, I don't know if you're that familiar because your spinal cord injury and I'm cerebral palsy, there is virtually no research on adult cerebral palsy. I mean, it's not progressive. You don't die from it, although it gets harder with the, with the aging process. And there is no one-stop shopping um, for a lot, of, a lot of disabilities as you age. So it, it, I had the endurance and wherewithal and, you know, perseverance to have to do this. And I'm just wondering from your perspective, um, and you're not quite in the same situation as me, but for those people, rather than sitting home and, you know, watching TV and thinking, oh, my God, you know, my life is, is such a poor quality and I wish I had help, and if they can't put together a team like this or to research things to find shoes like Billy Footwear, what for those people who have disabilities that have these challenges and issues and want to get beyond a particular barrier? What do you recommend? You know, the average person, the average person do if there's nothing quote out there, resources or one-stop shopping. What, what should they do, Billy? Wow. Um, <laughs> I'm just wanting to yeah. get your opinion on that. <laughs> Well, I wish there was one answer, you know. I mean, yeah, it, there's not, it, it, right? It, yeah, yeah. Um, I I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's just a matter of you got you got to get involved somehow. Um, involved in something, like whatever it may be. Um, just to be able to get out of the house and you know try to be a little more active. I I, I know that you know when you, when you talk about um, research and stuff, you know there is a lot of for spinal cord injury, there is a lot of research going on in trying to, um, you know, get that spinal cord to heal as if there's like it's a shot or like some sort of magic pill or some sort of magic operation to be able to, um, you know, I don't know, like get through that paralysis. And I know, unfortunately, that there's lots of, there's lots of folks out there that are just like just sitting in like kind of the waiting game going, I'm going to, I'm going to wait until I can get this thing fixed. And then when I finally get this thing fixed, um, then I'll be more active. But, you know, I, I, I was can't in wait. that spot. Yeah, yeah, I was in that spot. But it's – I, and I, I do think it's coming. I, I do think there will be some sort of breakthrough medically. But but I'm not going to sit around and wait for it. You know, I, I, I would like to be able to get out there and not only be active, but also just to contribute. Because when you're contributing to someone – like when you're trying to add value, it's amazing how, like, the law of, like, re- reciprocity, like, it, it really helps you too. So by helping somebody else out, it's helping you too. It's not, it's like outwardly focused by like adding value to somebody else, value is added to you. And the really only way you can do that is you need to be involved somehow. And uh, whether it's, you know, I mean, that doesn't have to mean you have to leave the house. I mean, you can be in the house and you can be active through maybe through social media or just through, you know, some sort of like networking opportunities. But if you're able to get out of the home and to be able to interact with those around you, um, you know, ride the bus, like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have a um, a van that I'm able to drive, so I can communicate and everything, which is nice. Yeah. Yep, uh-huh. yep, got some hand controls in there to get me around. But it, it, it's just, I, I think it's just important to get out of the house, get out, and 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 just try to just try to make a difference, try to be the best you. And um, mm-hmm. it's amazing if if you take on that approach, it's amazing how many, you know, just great things will kind of you know start falling into your lap. But you, but you yeah. gotta take some initiative. Forward. I agree, and you have to get beyond if you're kind of in a funk or in that depression about, oh, you know, I can't do this, I can't do that, and um, but you just somehow have to have to fight that and, and and get beyond that, and you know, be around other people that maybe can 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 help you and, and inspire you to make. We all can make a contribution, however small or large. I mean, had you ever? thought in you know in the beginning uh when you first had your injuries that you would ever be where you are today i mean what did you foresee you you, you thought okay um you didn't think you were going to get the job at the faa and you did right but what what did you what did you foresee for for your life um 
you know, initially, did you think, oh, my God, I'm just going to be confined to home? And look where you are now. I mean, it's incredible. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, thank you so much for that. Um, I really appreciate that. Uh, You know, yeah, when I first got hurt, it was, I had absolutely no idea what the future would look like. Um, And it didn't didn't look good. (laughs) It definitely didn't look good because I was just completely consumed by, the past. I was consumed by what I used to be able to do and not, not what, you know, not what potential I had for the future. And uh, essentially what it was is the way I kind of overcame that was just focusing on just one small little victory each day in each moment. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and over time, those small little victories kind of compounded into much bigger victories. So like, for example, like I remember being in the hospital, like trying to relearn how to, how to brush my teeth, you know, how to write my name, how to, how to feed myself. And Mm -hmm. um, when when you're knocked down to like those like basic, basic functions, um, it's very, it's very hard to wrap your mind around what living, (laughs) what what buying a home would look like, what, like having a family, getting married, like what start driving again. I mean, those are so far out there when you're just trying to put a fork in your mouth, like give yourself food. You can't food. conceive of that. Yeah, you're in the moment. You're moment by yeah. moment, right? Yeah. I, you know, I was a medical speech pathologist and worked in rehab for many years, so I, I know what you're talking about. And So, you know, it's just, it's a it's a hard uphill climb, but, you know, I, I respect so many people for have taken that journey. And I'm just wondering, um, what... What is it? How can how can we we help you um, to progress? I mean, we if you wanted to in the future, we could certainly do a follow up show. That would be great. I want to sure. keep in contact with you. But how can people? Uh, would do you need testimonials on your website? What what is it? Do you need more feedback from customers? Is your PR manager going to be doing more marketing and promotions? Um, what What is it that you need to take you to that next step to serve more people, particularly in, in the adult realm? Sure. Well, yeah. I mean, boy, thank you so much for, for queuing that up there. So the, the best way – we've had so much success just through word of mouth and just through growth through social media. So the best way – something very, very easy that anyone could do that would really help us out is if you just go to our Facebook page, if you go to our Facebook page and put in Billy Footwear or go to our Instagram and put in Billy Footwear um, and just those two, those two social media platforms, if you just go on there and follow us, just click like or click follow. And uh, that, that helps continue to grow the exposure and to be able to get the word out. And because if, if we're able to get the word out more and more and more, it's amazing how big that snowball gets in a hurry. And when, you know, as that momentum builds, it truly is incredible. Um, you know, you can, you, you can really move mountains with that momentum. So that's something very, very easy. But long term, yeah, follow-up interview, love it. Um, okay. I, I, just, <laughs> I, just, I just love that idea. That 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 would be great. And, so sort of for the last question, what is it that most excites you for the future? What one thing are you really looking forward to? Mm. Oh, my gosh. I wish I had one answer. <laughs> you have a lot of them, a lot of good things, I have right? a lot of answers. Um, I, I get so much enjoyment out of doing interviews like this. I, I, I love hearing other people's stories, and I love being able to, um, you know, see what we can do to add value to their world. So one of the slogans that we have with our with our brand is uh, making a measurable difference one foot at a time, and uh, wow. it, it's it's it, it's it's truly been uh, just so heartwarming and incredible, and just I don't know, there's just so much. It just warms my heart through and through, being able to do anything I can to uh, to, to live that slogan. So I just thank you wow. for this opportunity today. That's wonderful, and I think that's very profound and an excellent way to end our end our episode here. So, yes, you are definitely welcome back, and let's the two of us uh, stay in touch because, you know, sharing of ideas are always great. And so thank you so much, Billy. I'll let you get back to your, your daily grind in Seattle, 
And we will carry on here in South Carolina and Connecticut and wherever else. Please do share this podcast to help Billy and everybody else that can use the information. So, Delilah, thank you so much for producing and contributing. 